Hello, romance book lovers. Welcome to Tales from the Heart. I am Jenna Hart, and each week I post new episodes from my stories of crime and passion. Right now, we're listening to Deadly Valentine, book one of the Valentine Mysteries. This week is episode seven, where we go through chapters 16 and 17 and find out why Jack interrupted a kiss with Tess and how that might reveal a huge secret. Now, if you're eager to follow along or get a bit ahead, you can download the entire ebook of Deadly Valentine for free at jennahart.com. Never miss the mystery of romance by hitting the subscribe button. And remember, all the details and links you might need are just a click away in the description. Now snuggle up, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Chapter 16 It took Tess a moment to register the change in Jack. What? This picture of Delia looks a lot like Cora's daughter. Tess studied the two pictures. You're right. No wonder she thought she'd seen the woman before. Is Delia Cora's daughter's name? I don't know. She doesn't talk about her. And Cora's last name is Peterson, not Jackson. Although the way Cora tells it, she's been married more times than Liz Taylor. They studied the pictures a moment longer. Then Jack stepped away, his brows knitted in thought. What's the matter? Tess asked. He turned to her. I've known Cora my whole life. She was my babysitter when my parents went out. She helped me care for my mom when she was ill. We take care of each other now. I don't understand why she didn't tell me. Maybe she doesn't know. I've told her all about this file and Delia Jackson she had to know. Either that or these are two different women who look like twins. Why don't you ask her? Jack pondered it a moment longer. Then he headed up the hallway and knocked on a door. Tess sat in one of the leather chairs and waited. It looked like she was going to meet the infamous Cora after all. You told me not to bother you tonight. I don't know why you think I would. What hanky-panky you do is your own business, Jack. The Tweety Bird granny image was right on, except that instead of a dark dress with comfortable pumps, Cora was sporting a purple muumuu with green sneakers. I know, but I want you to meet Tess and we have a question. Why should I meet her? Next week it will be someone else. Down, Cora. Jack said, giving Tess a wink. Next week it will still be Tess. Tess stood and extended her hand. Nice to meet you, Miss Peterson. Cora walked past Tess to sit on the couch. Call me Cora. Everyone else does. Tess retracted her hand. Okay. Do you want some brandy? Jack asked. Nah, it's Tuesday. I want beer. Do you want more wine? He asked Tess. No, thank you. Jack left Tess alone with Cora. Tuesday is beer night? Tess asked. Uh? Before Tess could clarify her question, Cora said. Whatever. Listen, Jack is a man's man. You know what I mean? He needs a real woman to keep him happy. You a real woman, Tess? Uh. Yes, she is. Jack brought Cora her beer. Oh, wait, this is her, isn't it, Jack? Cora. Jack's tone was a warning. You're the one that left, just ran away. Not even the decency to return a phone call. I told you to be nice. He sat next to Cora and patted her knee. Yes, ma'am, I ran away. Tess felt awkward having Cora know her business. Perhaps that's why she remained standing instead of sitting down. So she could leave if the conversation got too uncomfortable. Ma'am. Cora let out a loud cackle. I should slap you for that. Tess looked to Jack for help. Cora forgets that it's a sign of respect to refer to old women as ma'am. I didn't mean to imply you were old. Oh, shush, I am old, but don't call me ma'am. Call me Miss Peterson. You said she could call you Cora. Jack reminded her. That was before... Tess supposed that Jack had decided it wasn't a point worth pursuing. Instead, he asked... Cora, what was your daughter's name? Cora's face flashed with pain and suspicion. Why? I'm curious. Why? 
Jack showed her the picture of Delia that Tess found during her research. Look familiar. There's a resemblance. Cora stood up. Can I go back now? Idol is going to be on soon. In a minute. Jack took her hand, encouraging her to sit. This is Delia Jackson. She looks a lot like your daughter. He put both photos side by side. Cora refused to look. So what? So the only way it makes sense for Asa to have Delia Jackson's information along with mine would be if she were your daughter. That would be the only way we'd be connected. Through you. Cora shook her head so vehemently that Tess thought the bun would fly off her head. Not her. Are you sure? Jack moved to sit across from her on the coffee table. He took her hands in his. A lot is riding on this. I know my own daughter. It would be easy enough to verify through birth records. Tess said. Cora shot Tess a menacing look. You stay out of this. Then she turned her eyes, now weepy and pleading on Jack. Make her stop. Jack studied her for a moment, then stood and walked to the bookcase to put the picture of Cora's daughter back. Why is this a secret? Jack asked as he positioned the picture next to one of Cora. Oh, you believe your one-night lover over me, is that it? The woman who left you brokenhearted? The one who wasn't there when we were losing Lillian? That's enough. Tess and Cora jumped at Jack's outburst. Cora sulked back into her seat. So what if she is my daughter? She's gone, been gone for over 30 years. What's it to you or her? No one cared when she was alive, when she needed help she rightly deserved. So I took care of everything. I did what I had to do to keep us safe after she was gone, but now this whole mess and... Us? Tess asked. Who's us? None of your damn business. Tess was sure that if looks could kill, she'd be a pile of ash. The fury emanating off Cora could be felt viscerally. Settle down. Jack returned to the coffee table, sitting in front of Cora. I don't settle down, me, Jacko. You don't know anything about anything. His voice was gentle, his eyes soft. So tell me. No. Cora crossed her arms across her chest and clamped her mouth closed like a child planning to hold her breath. Did she have a baby? Did you lose them both in the fire? Tess was impressed at the gentle yet direct probing by Jack. Just stop. The fury was there, but her eyes were filled with tears, as if she couldn't decide which emotion she felt more, rage or grief. Jack turned, looking over his shoulder at Tess. She's upset, and there's no reason to think this is relevant to Asa's murder. Tess glanced at Cora, who had a look of triumph. No, but you wanted to know why Asa was poking around in your life. It could have been part of Asa's big announcement. You said yourself that he told you all would be revealed that night. Unfortunately, he was killed before he could make his announcement. We can't be sure that wasn't the reason he was killed. Because of Delia Jackson and her baby. Jack didn't sound convinced. When you consider the timing of the murder, it seems likely someone didn't want him to make his announcement. Otherwise, why kill him in a house full of people? Why not wait until he was alone? But we don't know what that announcement would have been. It could have been nothing about me or this Delia person. Maybe not about the connection with Delia, but I can't believe that you weren't somehow a part of Asa's plan. He made a special effort for you to be there, at a function that was for family only. That part still doesn't make sense. Jack turned back to Cora. Do you understand it, Cora? No. Tess reached for the papers and pictures, studying them again. Then she looked to Cora. Delia was about 21 when she went to work for Senator Worthington. That puts her at about Asa's age. So? So I wonder if maybe Delia and Asa were friendly. My Delia was no slut, not like you. Hey. Jack's hands whipped out and grabbed Cora's arms, giving her a little shake. I love you, Cora, but I won't have you talking to Tess like that. I'm sorry if I implied that, Miss Peterson. 
I just thought a beautiful woman like your daughter would have caught Asa's eye. Cora's lips snarled. That snake? Delia was naive, but she knew a self-serving rat when she met one. Her dad was one. L. Jack asked. No, this was Carl Jackson. He left us when she was about 10, and we both thought good riddance. Tess continued to study the documents. She couldn't rid herself of the feeling that there was something more, and that Cora knew exactly what it was. As a secretary, Delia would have spent a great deal of time with the senator, traveling with him to Washington, D.C. and back. It seemed a cliché, but could it have been the senator, not Asa, that had an affair with her? What about the senator? Tess asked. The flash of fear was quickly masked, but Tess saw it and knew she was onto something. There you go again, ruining my daughter's good name. No, Miss Peterson. I'm just trying to figure this out. It would be easier if you just told us because I think you know the answer. Tess knew she'd just issued a challenge, one that Cora would likely ignore. The answer was here. The answer was linked to Cora. It doesn't matter. They're all dead. I'm leaving. Cora stood and made her way towards her apartment. Tess studied the papers again, looking for the key to unlock this puzzle. A young mother working for the senator. A copy of her dead baby's birth certificate and Jack's. She moved the certificates side by side. October 11th and November 10th. Nearly a month apart, what did that mean? October 11th and November 10th. Her eyes narrowed as an idea came to her. She looked at Delia's picture, her dark ink-black hair and bluish-green eyes. Tess swore she could hear the final tumbler as it slid into place. Oh, my... Cora whipped around. No, don't you dare. Her reaction told Tess that she was on the right track. He needs to know, and he should hear it from you. Hear what? Jack turned to Cora. What's she talking about? Nothing. She's just coming up with crazy ideas that aren't true. What sort of crazy idea? Both women were silent. Jack turned to Tess, frustration growing on his handsome face. Do you know what she's talking about? I think so. So tell me. I think Cora should tell you. Damn it. Jack stood up and glared at both women. One of you tell me what's going on. Asa learned Cora's secret. You be quiet. Cora moved so fast she nearly knocked Jack over on her way to Tess. Whoa, hey Cora. Jack wrapped an arm around Cora's waist and hauled her towards him just before her fuchsia nails bit into Tess's face. He held her in place as she cursed in ways Tess had never dreamed of. Look. He set Cora down but held her to keep her in place. I'll find out, you know I will. And if it's something I should have heard from your mouth, Cora. You've ruined everything. Cora spat at Tess, but she looked up at Jack and took a deep breath. Delia Jackson is your mother. What? No. Lillian and Victor Valentine were my parents. Adoptive. Jack's eyes searched Cora's face for some clue as to what she meant. Tess couldn't determine if he didn't understand or didn't want to understand. Jack, you're the baby. The one not found in the fire. It means that Cora is your grandmother. Tess hoped that it would soften the blow for both by reminding them of their blood relation after all. He looked away from Cora, his gaze cast out the window overlooking the city. Tess was sure that he wasn't admiring the view. Why the secret? His voice was calm, yet underneath it was something dark. To keep you safe. From what? Who? He whipped his head back towards Cora. Arthur Worthington, of course. He killed my Delia. He killed her just as surely as I'm standing here looking at you. The article said the fire was an accident, Tess said. That's what they wanted everyone to believe, but it wasn't. I was there, Jack, helping your mom. She's not my mom. Tess hated the pain in Jack's voice. So much pain he didn't want to believe it. Cora reached out to take his hand, but he pulled away. I was helping her care for you. She was so young and you were so little. 
I told her to get some rest, that all her problems would be over once she got some rest and came home. So she slept and I took you with me to get groceries. When I got back, the house was in flames and Delia was dead. I knew it was them. They were pressuring her. So I took you and ran. I let them all believe you were killed in the fire. Jack shook his head. Tess wasn't sure if it was in disbelief or an effort to keep Cora's words from sinking in. The Valentines were such wonderful people and couldn't have children, so they adopted you and agreed to keep you safe. Cora's words tumbled out, as if she were desperate for him to understand. And forgive. Why would Senator Worthington need to kill his secretary? Jack's stone-cold voice asked. So no one would know? Know what? Cora reached out to Jack, but he pulled away. Know what, Cora? Arthur Worthington is your father. Jack jerked back, stumbled as he tried to move away. The senator, no, that's a lie. Tess's heart broke for the man whose world had just been shown to be nothing that he believed it to be. Everyone that he'd loved and trusted his entire life had lied to him. Tess couldn't imagine the anger and hurt he felt. I'm not a part of him, of them. He shook his head vehemently. Once again, Cora moved towards Jack, but he put even more distance between them. At his rejection, Cora turned on Tess. This is all your fault. Why couldn't you have just left it alone? Tess ignored Cora. Jack, this doesn't change who you are or the man you've become. All the success and goodness you bring to the world through your work, that's on you and the Valentines and Cora. Jack glared at her. This has nothing to do with you. The word slapped her, stung in a way Tess hadn't expected. I was just... Please leave. Okay. She said, not wanting to add to his pain. She started gathering her papers. Leave them. But... I said leave them. The boom in his voice vibrated through her heart. Okay. She picked up her briefcase and purse and quietly left his apartment. When the elevator doors closed, Tess let the heartache out and wept. She wept partly for the man whose life was just destroyed. Of all the betrayals she'd faced in her life, she couldn't imagine anything so devastating as learning your parents or the people you thought were your parents had lied. She wanted to go to him to hold him and give him the reassurance that Worthington DNA didn't mean he was like them. But he didn't need her. She could still see the steel in his eyes and feel the force of his voice as he told her to leave. The pain of it pierced her heart. How could that happen? Despite her best efforts to keep a distance between them, in a matter of days, he'd infiltrated her heart. And just as she feared, the aftermath was pain. She pulled herself together, focusing on the new details she'd just learned. She worried what Daniel and other police would think about this new development when they found out. It could be considered a motive to kill. But Jack would have had to have known the secret in order to kill Asa. There was no doubt in her mind that he'd been completely in the dark about that. But others in the family may have wanted the secret to remain hidden as well. The senator, for one. Tess wondered if Cora was right about his being Jack's biological father. What concerned Tess the most was that this revelation could have nothing to do with the case. What if she'd hurt Jack and Cora unnecessarily? She knew Jack needed to know the truth, but she wished she hadn't been the one to bring it about. Chapter 17 The next morning, Tess arrived at her office before Regina. She hadn't slept well and at 5.30 gave up trying. She did some work at home and then made the short trip to the historic building from which she ran her fledgling law practice. She put on a pot of coffee in the small kitchenette used by all business owners in the building, and then headed to her own office. She put her purse in the bottom drawer and set her briefcase on top of the desk. Pulling out her cell phone, she checked for messages. Still no word from Jack. She thought for the umpteenth time that maybe she should call him.
but every time she did, his words came back to her. This has nothing to do with you. She knew about hurt and betrayal, but she suspected it was worse for Jack. Everyone he'd known and loved had lied to him. His parents, Cora. But he was wrong to think that this new revelation would change who he was. He may have Worthington blood, but that didn't make him like them, any more than she was like her parents. The thing that had been puzzling Tess all night was how Asa had put it all together. How did he know that Delia's baby didn't die in the fire and that Jack was that baby? She hadn't been able to put it together until she'd seen the pictures of Delia in Jack and Cora's home. Had Asa been to Jack's house? Did he know Cora? And even if Asa did figure it out, would someone kill to keep it a secret after all these years? Since Jack had kept her files, Tess pulled out a pad of paper to jot down notes and questions. If someone would kill to keep the secret of Jack's paternity, the senator would be the most likely suspect. Cora accused him of killing Delia, even though everything Tess had found so far suggested the fire was an accident. But the senator was powerful, even back then, so maybe he could have pressured fire officials to not investigate deeper. But would he really kill Delia simply because she bore his child? Infidelity and politics went hand in hand. Then again, back then, such a scandal would probably end a career. Would the senator have killed her to keep the secret of their affair and the baby? Had she threatened to expose him? Could the senator really kill his son or more accurately two sons, Asa and Delia's baby? Tess didn't know the senator that well. But he didn't strike her as the type that would resort to murder. He seemed more like the type to use money to fix a problem. And while the senator and Asa had a volatile relationship, she couldn't see the senator killing his son. But she'd worked in criminal law before and knew that people could be pushed too far. There were many possibilities, and none of it or all of it could have been why Asa was murdered. But with Jack reeling from the news, she didn't know if she should even continue to search for answers. When her cell phone rang, she checked the caller ID and felt her heart drop. Not Jack. Hi, Daniel. Tess, are you back in town? There was strain in his voice, and she wondered if he was thinking she'd stayed the night with Jack. I'm in my office. We're still on for the funeral, then? Oh, God, she'd forgotten about that. Should I meet you? I'll pick you up there. About one o'clock? I'll be ready. She hung up the phone. She realized that the funeral would give her an opportunity to observe and mingle with the others that were at the home when Asa was killed. It also meant she would be walking a thin line between keeping and breaking her vow to Daniel to not mix her work with her personal relationship with his family. Knock, knock. Regina poked her head in the door. You're here early. She walked into Tess's office. I saw you made coffee. I brought you some. Plus your mocha fake sugar and fat-free creamer. Regina set the coffee on Tess's desk. Thank you. I half expected to see you in a lip lock with Mr. Valentine. He's a client. Regina failed in her attempt to keep her face serious. Right. Did the meeting with the board go well? Tess nodded. There was no reason to elaborate on the events of the evening. Instead, she took a sip of coffee. Well, I'll get to work. I'm going to be out this afternoon. The funeral? Regina asked. It's all over the news. Funny how a guy who wasn't very well-liked is getting such fanfare. He wasn't well-liked, but he was respected, and he did a lot for the community. Regina shrugged. Hey, can I join the huddle? Kate Wells, a local journalist and Tess's best friend, poked her head in the door. While Tess and Kate's friendship went all the way back to boarding school, Tess knew that Kate's visit probably wasn't a social call. Come on in. Do you want some coffee? Regina asked, moving towards the door. No, got one. 
Kate held up a large Starbucks cup. Regina left the office, shutting the door behind her. I thought we could do a little share until... Kate sat in the chair across from Tess's desk. I don't have anything to share or tell, Tess said. Kate rolled her eyes. Sure you do, you just can't. Attorney-client privilege and all that. But I get the story later, right? And an interview with your valentine? I think I can arrange that. Tess, of course, wasn't sure she could. But she knew Kate had contacts in the police department and who knew where else. Kate was a copious researcher and tenacious when it came to getting a story. Perhaps she had news that Tess could use. Good. Then I've got something to share with you and you can give me your thoughts on it. All right, what have you got? Tess asked. I know Asa's secret. Tess was a good litigator because she knew how to keep her emotions in check and her facial expressions from revealing her true feelings. It made her good poker player, too. She hoped that her raised brow showed interest and belied the panic that was tightening in her belly. If Kate had learned about Jack's true paternity, there would be very little Tess could do to keep the news from being spread. WJTTV, the local station Kate worked for, only reached through central Virginia, but the story of the well-respected senator from Virginia being the biological father of one of the richest men in the United States would make national headlines. Jack wasn't ready for that. Just one, Tess asked. Kate laughed. Just one today. But you're right. The Worthingtons probably have a closet the size of Texas filled with skeletons and scandal. Tess smiled even though she wanted to wince. Some scandals were the size of Texas. I don't think this is as big as when Asa ousted the senator to take control of the company, but I think it has some bearing on the investigation. Really? Just tell me already. Impatience gnawed at Tess. The M.E. is releasing his report on Asa's death today. Tess didn't question how Kate got a copy of the report before its official release. She learned long ago that blonde hair, long legs, and perky breasts got you pretty much whatever you wanted. Kate had a pretty good life. It's going to reveal that he was killed by having his head bashed in. And the weapon you'll love this was the humanitarian award he got from the Jefferson Tavern Southern Women's League. Someone sure understood the word irony. But had the murderer shown a little patience, Asa would have been dead in a few months anyway. What? Tess sat up, leaned toward Kate. Cancer. He had three months tops. You're kidding me. Tess remembered Asa looking sick at the party. Kate shook her head. I take it you didn't know... How would I know that? I figured the family knew, and since you're practically family... I'm not practically family. Does Daniel know that? About Asa. Know about your strange aversion to nice men who do anything for you? Tess didn't want to go another round with Kate regarding Daniel. Why Kate didn't make it easy on both of them by telling Daniel how she felt about him, Tess didn't know. Instead, she sat back in her chair, her mind in a whirl over the revelation of Asa's impending death. So, what do you make of it? Do you think it was his big announcement? Kate asked. I don't know, maybe, probably. But Tess didn't think that was the end of the announcement. A dying man usually spends his last days putting his affairs in order. Tess wondered what sort of plan Asa had in mind and how it involved Jack. Do you suppose he was going to sell the company? Sell it? It just doesn't make sense that Mr. Valentine was at the house that night for a family gathering unless Asa was making plans to sell the company. Everyone knows that Asa didn't think Philip could run a car, much less a company. Helen isn't going to run it. There's really no one else in the family. But there was another person in the family. Jack was not only family, if what Cora said was true, 
but he was a successful businessman. She remembered how Asa behaved around Jack that night. There were some cat that ate the canary smirks, but mostly Asa was nice and accommodating, almost as if he was seducing Jack. Could Asa really have been planning a stunt that introduced Jack as his illegitimate half-brother and new leader of Worthington Media Corporation? It was possible it was the way Asa liked to work. But if so, Tom would have certainly known about Asa's plans. Asa would turn the company over to someone without a lawyer drawing up the paperwork of which there would be mounds. But Tom insisted he didn't know what Asa had planned any more than anyone else that night. Was he lying? And if he was, why? I can see the wheels turning, Tess. What have you got for me? Kate's question jerked Tess from her inner dialogue. I don't know what to make of it. Oh, come on. Tess shrugged. You could be right. He may have planned to tell people he was dying, but it doesn't shed any light on who killed him or why. Unless he was planning on selling the company, maybe the family didn't want that. It was a possibility, but Shelby was right. Philip didn't have the guts. Plus, Tess was certain the two of them would rather have the money than the responsibility. That left Lauren. I don't know. For the right price, I think they'd be willing to do just about anything. And Valentine doesn't know anything? Tess shook her head. No one who was there knew what was going on, or at least no one admits it. Doesn't that strike you as strange? Normally, yes, but we're talking about Asa Worthington. I don't know what was going on, but I can tell you that he was enjoying having everyone wait with bated breath for whatever it was. I'm sure his spirit is annoyed that he didn't get to drop whatever bombshell he was planning that night. Kate quirked a brow. Can I quote you? No. Didn't you notice anything about him? I mean, a dying guy, there has to be signs. He seemed the same. Well, except for after his altercation with Lauren. I heard he physically threw her out. He nearly did. He wanted to. But after she left, I remember thinking that he looked a little pale. He was sweating and looked like he needed a breather. In fact, when I found him, I wondered if maybe he'd had a heart attack because he'd looked almost frail earlier. Can I quote that? You can say that I thought he looked under the weather. Something's better than nothing, I guess. Kate looked at her watch. I have a meeting. Otherwise, I'd stay and browbeat you into giving more details. Tess laughed. Lucky for me. Are you going to the funeral? Kate asked as she stood. Yes. With Daniel? Tess knew her answer would be like a stab to Kate's heart. Yes. Kate sighed. I'll be in touch. Why don't you call him? Tess asked. Who? Daniel? I have. But he's not very talkative about Asa's murder, either. I don't mean for an interview. I mean for dinner. Kate's cheeks flushed. Oh, well, I don't know. I mean... Tess laughed. You know you can have any man you want. Usually. But in this case, he's in love with someone else. Kate said with a shrug of defeat. He should be over it. Should he? I don't love him, Kate. He's a friend, and I've told him and you that a million times. Love is strange, isn't it? Yes, it is. Tess thought about how quickly her heart had opened to Jack. When Kate left, Tess pulled out her writing pad and added the new piece to the puzzle. She would rather have had Kate give her information that would have cleared Jack from any involvement in Asa's murder. The news of Asa's impending demise, while intriguing, didn't really do much to shed light on what was going on. The realization that Jack was the senator's son was still the most compelling piece of information, if it was true. If it was discovered that Jack was related to the Worthingtons, the police would become more suspicious of him. Would Jack have killed Asa for a piece of the Worthington pie? Tess knew that it was unlikely since Jack was worth about 20 times more than Worthington's. 
but the police might think it gave Jack a motive. Of course, that would only work if Asa made provisions for Jack in his will. It was the only way Jack would receive any benefit. But Tess remembered Helen saying that Asa's share of the company was being divided between her and Tom. There was no indication of Jack being mentioned. So unless Asa had been making plans to change his will, but hadn't yet done it, Jack had no motive. He'd have no motive until the change was made. And if Asa had been planning to change the will, Tom would have known which brought her back to the question about whether Tom knew more than he'd indicated. Thank you so much for listening to this episode from Tales from the Heart. I hope that you enjoyed it and that you will be back to find out what happens next. Will Tess learn anything new at the funeral? And will Jack ever deal with the secret that was just revealed? To make sure that you don't miss any episodes, hit the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes are posted. And don't forget that you can get the ebook of Deadly Valentine free through my website at jennahart.com. Thank you again for listening. Until next time, this is Jenna Hart wishing you peace, love, and happily ever after. <laughs>